El is commonly compounded with the words that describe the characteristics of Yahweh. Specifically, in the construct state where two words are connected by the words of, such as God, El, of glory, as written in Psalm 29.3, God of knowledge, as written in 1 Samuel 2.3, and God of salvation, as written in Micah 7.7. 7. El may also be qualified by an adjective or participle with the word is serving as an indication of the qualifier. For example, Deuteronomy 7.21 reads that God is great. In Exodus 34.6, the Lord describes himself saying he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. El Olam is another compound of El that describes a characteristic of God. This description of God first appears in Genesis 21:33. After making a covenant with Abimelech, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree and called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. In Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, God made a promise to Abram. The New International Version reads, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He then reiterated his promise in Genesis 15, 4, 5, where he assured Abram that he would have a son of his own flesh and blood, an offspring as numerous as the stars, and in verses 18 through 20, where he indicated the land that he would give to Abram. Then, in Genesis 17, when the Lord identified himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, he made a covenant with Abram. Verses 1b to 9 read as follows. I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. Afterward, God instructed Abraham to circumcise himself and every male in the home as a sign of the covenant he made with him. Finally, regarding the perpetuity of the covenant, God said, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Those words in the accounts reported in Genesis 12, 15, and 17 may explain why Abraham acknowledged God as El Olam, the everlasting God in Genesis 21. Abraham and Abimelech encountered each other before in Genesis 20 when Abraham told Sarah to lie about being his wife. As a result of that lie, Abimelech took Sarah for himself. Then at night, Abimelech had a terrifying and humbling encounter with God who told him to return Sarah to Abraham or else suffer dire consequences. Afraid and grieved that Abraham lied to him, 
Abimelech confronted Abraham to learn why he did it. Abraham shared his excuse and Abimelech returned Sarah to her husband and gave them sheep, cattle, slaves, and silver as a sign of their vindication. Meanwhile, God reopened the wombs of all the women in Abimelech's household. Genesis 21 reports the birth of Isaac, Abraham's promised heir, and the displacement of Hagar and her son, Ishmael, who was born to Abraham first, but was not the promised heir. Then verses 21 through 34 cover Abraham and Abimelech's second encounter. Sensitized to Abraham's scheming, yet aware that God was with Abraham in everything, Abimelech urged Abraham not to lie to him again as Abraham and his household lived in the land as foreigners and were treated kindly. Abraham agreed and then shared his concern about a dispute regarding a well that belonged to him. Abimelech promptly settled the matter and as a demonstration of goodwill, Abraham set aside seven ewe lambs to present to Abimelech. And then the two made a covenant to live peaceably with each other henceforth. Interestingly, the two interactions between Abraham and Abimelech bracket Isaac's birth and Ishmael's displacement. The placement of the narratives offers the reader's insight into the already but not yet fulfillment of the covenant God made with Abraham. His promised son was born just as God said, yet Abraham still did not possess the land promised to him. Instead, he lived as a foreigner in other lands and had to wait for the complete fulfillment of the promise. However, in Genesis 15, the reader learned that Abraham had faith in God and God credited that faith to Abraham as righteousness. Thus, when Abraham planted the tamarisk tree and called on El Olam, the everlasting God, in Genesis 21:33, he likely worshiped God for his everlasting faithfulness. As such, the tamarisk tree signified the lasting nature of Abraham and Abimelech's covenant but more importantly, the everlasting covenant God made with Abraham. Rod Macker expounds on the idea in saying, Abraham's hope was that the Tamarisk tree would long mark the spot of the major treaty. As in Genesis 12:8, Abraham did more than just pray to the Lord. He made proclamation in the Lord's name, telling everyone about the Lord, the everlasting God, the master of eternity. Not only does he live forever, but he meets the needs of his people for all eternity. Similarly, in Genesis 33:20, Jacob, whom God later named Israel, Abraham's grandson, erected an altar in commemoration of God, who reiterated and continually fulfilled the covenant he made with, with Abraham to Jacob, who was an heir of the promise. As such, Jacob named the altar El Elohi Israel, the which means God is the God of Israel. In addition, by naming the altar El Elohi Israel, Jacob was likely acknowledging his own name change, accepting his role as the covenantal heir, as God had revealed to him at Bethel, and acknowledging his personal relationship with God. Now, although El Elohi Israel seems unrelated to the discussion about El Olam, Bible students need to understand patriarchal history to read and interpret scripture accurately. Ultimately, Israel's erection of the altar further demonstrates that El Olam is the everlasting God and he fulfills his promises from generation to generation because he is eternally faithful. El Olam is not used anywhere else in scripture. However, there are countless references to God's eternity. In Daniel 7, 9, 13, and 22, God is described as ancient of days, the one who judges and rules over the empires of the world. 
In Isaiah 40:28, he is described as Elohi Olam Yahweh, the Lord, the everlasting God. And Moses writes of his everlasting nature in Psalm 92, saying, From everlasting to everlasting that are God, Olam ad Olam El. In summary, El Olam describes God's eternity and his absoluteness. Yahweh is the everlasting God, ancient of days, the God of eternity. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tents with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, 
Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Genesis 17. When Abram was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. 
and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generation, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house, or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Genesis 20. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, Return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, 
and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen, and male servants and female servants, and gave them to Abraham, and returned Sarah his wife to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you, well where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you, and before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Genesis 21 The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and took bread, and a skin of water, and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed, and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water of the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, 
for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness, and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me. And I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Life is fleeting like a passing mist. It is like trying to catch hold of a breath. All vanishes like a vapor. Everything is a great vanity. Ecclesiastes 1-2, that's the voice translation. Finding a source of comfort that lasts is challenging in a temporal world where everything is fleeting. However, we can find solace in the knowledge that there is someone who is everlasting and that someone is God. God's eternal nature is expressed through the epithet El Olam, which describes God's eternity and his absoluteness. He is the everlasting God, ancient of days and God of eternity. Genesis 21:33 is the only place that uses the phrase El Olam. When Abraham planted the tamarisk tree and called on El Olam, the everlasting God, in Genesis 21:33, he likely worshiped God for his everlasting faithfulness. The tamarisk trees signified the lasting nature of Abraham and Abimelech's covenant, but more importantly, the everlasting covenant God made with Abraham. As in Genesis 12:8, Abraham did more than pray to the Lord. He proclaimed the Lord's name, telling everyone about the Lord, the everlasting God, the master of eternity. Not only does he live forever, but he meets the needs of his people for all eternity. That fact can comfort us as we reflect on the everlasting God. God's unchanging nature gives us a solid foundation in a world where everything is temporary and fleeting. 
We can trust in him because he will never change or fail. His love and grace are constant and he is always present to guide us through life's challenges. As we face life's fleeting pleasures, pains, and perplexities, we can find comfort and strength in the perpetual presence and promise of El Olam. We can trust that God's love and faithfulness endure forever and that nothing can separate us from his love. Therefore, it behooves us to hold fast to the promise of God and live each day with hope and faith in the everlasting God. Meditating on God's everlasting nature can inspire us to live with eternity in mind. So let us aim to love God with all our hearts, minds, and strength, knowing that our covenantal relationship with God is the only thing that will endure beyond this life. Just as God made a covenant with Abraham and kept it throughout the generations, he is faithful to keep his promises to us as well. One of the greatest promises of God is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. This promise is not just for the rich, famous, or popular, but it is available for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. It is a gift given freely by grace through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. By accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become heirs to the promise of eternal life and are welcomed into God's everlasting kingdom. So let us take comfort in the knowledge that God is the Ancient of Days, who predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. As we do, we can find peace and hope in the midst of a paradoxically ever-changing, albeit temporal and fleeting world. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and his love endures forever. Amen.